This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Grace Gordon, actress and activist, and I am here today for some money talks. Yeah, that's right, I'm talking about cashing in versus selling out, and I am so excited to be here with my friend Valerie Lohman, who uses she, they pronouns. Valerie is an actor, a voiceover artist, also has recently blown the flip up on TikTok, Say hi, Valerie. Hello. Hi. hi. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Valerie listens to the podcast, and before we started recording, I was just like you said, "Oh, I'm so excited because I actually this is my first time being on a podcast that I listen to." And and I I realized we've had a couple people on the show recently who are listeners because the people listening to this show are killing it right now. <laughs> like it's been so exciting to have friends on who, you know, their work has really been succeeding recently. And I'm, I, yeah, it's really nice to have you. And it's also like a relief when someone like knows the sort of tone of the show oh, yeah. and the pace of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Valerie and I met at, in an acting class, probably my first couple months in LA. And so that means we've been friends for five years now. Um, and really seen each other evolve so much as artists. But one thing that we really share is this desire to talk about money, the desire to sh- like talk about really the nitty gritty of making money as an artist. And both of us also support ourselves just through our art. So this is something we're both so passionate about. And I'm so excited to talk about together. But before I get into it, I, of course, have to ask how we begin every show. To get us focused in on the present moment, I will ask you, Valerie, how is your art life? I was ruminating on this in the car. And I was thinking, I was like, Grace is going to ask me. Because obviously, that's how the show starts. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, hmm. Well, I'm pretty busy with work. And I was like, that that's like, I could talk about like all the different projects and stuff like that. But I was really thinking about, lately, my focus has been on rest and space in order to allow creativity to flow. So the last two weeks, especially, and the next two weeks are very focused on being present with the people I love, doing fun, creative things. And I have found that my creativity has flown so much more in that space. So my art life is wonderful. (sighs) I love to hear it. I, I, it's such an it's such a this podcast answer also, but it's true. I mean, I still struggle with this, even though I know that what you're saying is exactly true every time. It's like when I push, 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 over schedule myself, make everything into this rigid plan. My creativity suffers so freaking hard, and when I just surrender and like enjoy my life and relax, that's when my good ideas come up. Yeah. But it's still a challenge. To, to, to do it every time. I think it's just our programming and the culture we're in. And I think it's just, I mean, we see so much about like hustle culture and then we see our friends or we see our peers, we see them posting about what they're succeeding at. And I think it's so easy to go, oh, oh, I have to keep hustling in order to keep up because um, the world keeps turning. And it's, it's that division of like deciding I'm going to cheer for my friends, but also realize that my path is very different. Mm-hmm. It's that mix, so... Yeah, I I think it's easy when you're scrolling social media, especially to Mm -hmm. also suddenly decide that you're going to do something that isn't what you do at all and doesn't matter to you. But it's because it like is what someone else is doing or like looks good Mm -hmm. on the outside. I have to remind myself sometimes even like I'm not an influencer, Mm -hmm. at least right now. Like that's not something I want to be. 
And so I'll see people growing their follower accounts and doing, you know, targeted ads. That, that, there's stuff, that's yeah. some of the things we're going to talk about today, Some which is something that at this moment in my life is not a priority for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll get really in my head about it, thinking I have to be that. And okay, I need to start prioritizing, doing it this way and reaching out to this brand. And then I like the next day will be like, I just wasted hours ruminating on this thing when I know every time it's just not what my energy needs to be on right now. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, with that, I guess we'll get into this this topic because so much of what I just mentioned is actually exactly what I want to talk to you about. But I wanted to start by celebrating, pointing out, celebrating that it was around two years ago on the show that we shared something you wrote to us about your decision to become a full-time artist. It was around two years ago that we were we were doing a campfire special sharing listeners responses about how they've grown throughout quarantine and you wrote to the show about your decision to like commit to being a full-time artist how terrifying it was you lost a bunch of work at the beginning of covid as did a lot of us and you had like some like gig day jobs that you chose to drop and it worked out for you but it took a lot of like blind faith and just being able to sit with anxiety. So much anxiety. So I just wanted to say hello. Like we read that on the show and now here you are talking all about this and and, and again, killing it. Um, so, so, so congratulations yeah. on that leap of faith really working out for you. I have chills from that. Um, that's I remember writing to the show. I, I couldn't for the life of me tell you what I wrote, but um, that's crazy to remember that that that's two years ago that didn't feel like that long ago yeah yeah and and I guess that that felt like a good place to start both Mm -hmm. that maybe some people have heard that episode but also just like I want to talk about what that leap of faith was like Mm -hmm. and I guess like if it took some just act as if kind of energy it absolutely did it absolutely did. So it was around the time that I had, well, as you know, very much, I had a very, very heartbreaking breakup. Mm-hmm. And it also, I ended up moving out to my first apartment. And I remember just being so depressed that the only thing that brought me any joy was creativity. And so I just kept saying to myself, I have so many diary entries of it. of like, you know, really nothing matters. So I'm just going to blindly just I'm just going to choose to succeed and just choose to do this because, you know, life's a joke. Um, so it was, it was like partially, I think a coping mechanism, but also it was, I also don't want to discount. I like I like to deflect with humor very often. It was also, I think coinciding with the fact that it was something that I had been working towards for, I turned 26 this year. I started acting professionally when I was 14. So I'd been working towards it for 10 years and it just, it was odd how like it had been going towards becoming full time, but it took that kind of like, I remember I had done a tarot reading around that time and the card that I pulled was the tower. Oh, uh, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, for, for my 2020, the year was also the, the, tower. the tower. For everyone. <laughs> for everyone. 
Um, and it just, I think it ended up being a beautiful synchronicity that it was the combo of like, it was already going to be time, but also this other thing I think catapulted it further. Yeah. I thank you for like being willing to talk about mental health stuff also, because it's, it's very important to me to be open about that, Mm -hmm. but not everyone's comfortable, which is like, I think it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting too, that like in this period of depression, you did have to push yourself a little bit out of pure survival mode because you just Mm -hmm. moved into a place and you know if I remember correctly you did not plan on living there alone no I got in a place with my ex we had not we broke up three weeks before our move (sighs) um and then I decided to keep the apartment um for the first I think 40 days I lived alone or something like that and then I had a roommate who was there very briefly who just, I think, lived with me for a month before my more permanent roommates moved in. And so I was very isolated. It was October 2020. It was still very COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a rough, it was a rough time. I was very lucky that um, I had a wonderful voiceover job that was ongoing with an esports company that ended up ending the year after, but got me through that that time for sure yeah yeah and and thank god for like creative jobs like that that are at least consistent like you know that like to have that going whatever it is that you set up for yourself but to have something reliable when you are so afraid like or in this new stage financially it's so helpful for me that was even just like having patreon for a while like having something that I knew was going to be a re- some amount of reliable income. Yeah. This is a big deal when you make that leap to like full-time art. It just, it takes away some of that anxiety. Yeah. That anxiety is going to, I think, I don't know that that anxiety ever leaves. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. What if, a great point. Yeah. Like I have friends who are extremely successful and I'll still see them when we'll go out to dinner or something. Like I'll still see them run numbers, their heads or things like that. And like, they'll have had made like a, a $10,000 month. And I'll still see them do that moment of, can I afford this? Yes, I can. I'm successful. And like, I don't think it goes away. I think also, I mean, that's partly an entertainment industry thing mm-hmm. that l- the reality is it, it can. Yeah. It can all go away. So easy. Like having a savings, having a retirement plan, like it, having, you know, a plan for the dry months because those are inevitable. Even if you're an A-list movie star, like things happen. Also, as, I, as I've started doing like influencer brand deal stuff, the inevitability of ever having or being involved in any form of controversy. Uh, I was thinking that. Uh, well, and I started to see in, in brand deal contracts, a clause is about pulling your spot and not paying you if you are involved in some form of controversy or cancellation. And oh yeah, my God. I've been seeing it in a lot of contracts and like, Obviously, we can all do our part to make sure that we are, like, kind human beings with the best of intentions, but I think there's still, like, you do never know. Like, I wish this was a video podcast only in this moment so people could see my face. Oh, my, like, a cancellation clause. Because honestly, though, of course, of course that exists. There's been so much stuff with influencers, I think especially, you know, saying something really messed up or whatever, getting into online drama. And it makes sense that their sponsors would drop them and yeah. and not want to be not want to touch them with a ten foot pole. Like yeah. that makes sense. 
But that was what it was on my mind, even with Hollywood stuff. Is like in that case, I was thinking more that there's just really gross boundary violations. Oh, absolutely, that as well. Yeah, and people's privacy really gets violated, and we're seeing this played out right now with the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing, where like Johnny Depp hasn't really been in front of the camera much mm-hmm. the past couple of years because of that scandal, which is a complicated situation that people are realizing was maybe not what they thought it was, that maybe he was the person who was abused. And and so he hasn't been working in years. And I'm like, yeah, he's a huge movie star. But someone like that also has a lot of bills because of it. And I, I, I know some people are going to listen and cringe that I like care about what a huge movie star, like what his uh, financial situation is. I, I get it. I do get but it. It is very true because at the end of the day, like as far as I'm aware, Johnny Depp does not have his own company or he doesn't, doesn't have his own product that he sells or things like that. He doesn't have right. things. He, he is his business. Mm-hmm. And that's the same for most creatives. Most creatives don't have a massive business on the side. Most don't have like a massive skincare line or something like that. And and even still, controversy takes down anything that you touch. Well, and a lot of those people, I would say, a lot of a lot of actors do start those brands mm-hmm. or brand deals or yeah. skincare companies, etc. Because of exactly what you just said, yeah. is like you know you can't just rely on uh, booking a gig from that someone else hands you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also smart. I do too. Because we're like exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about like one of the biggest movie stars of our entire lifetimes mm-hmm. not working for years because of a scandal that maybe was not even his fault at all. Mm-hmm. And just because of some bad PR gets no work. Yeah. I mean, that's wild to it think is. about. Yeah. And that's why we're talking about this today too is like taking your own power back, mm-hmm. not just. Like, like both of us are actors. And so, yeah, it's awesome when we can book a gig. It's awesome when, when you know, we, yeah. we can make money. Like you are BAFTA nominee because of a, of a video game that you did voiceover for. But then there's also like we're talking about like stuff that you have created so that you have reliable income. That yes. you're not waiting around for the phone to ring as an artist. Like that's a very disempowering place to be. And so I wanted to ask you about voiceover coaching yes that's something I know that you do mm-hmm. and especially because you're young mm-hmm. I imagine there must have been hurdles for you feeling like like hurdles for you with imposter syndrome oh oh a hundred percent but it's a great thing that you absolutely should be doing yeah. so what was it like deciding to be a voiceover coach what were the hurdles that you had to jump through yourself like within yourself yeah. to own that um I think a lot of it was um a lot of the, a lot of, am I enough? And specifically not because of necessarily like amount of credits or things like that, but a lot of like age stuff. Like I have clients that are three times my age Wow! and I often have to remind myself, like they know how old I am. They booked with me because they trust my work and they have had success. So they have felt like they've garnered information. Um, I teach at a multitude of places now and I run and I, yeah, people just, keep coming back. I keep getting referrals. So the ongoing voiceover job that I had, that I had had during the the esports thing, um, my ex-girlfriend was producer on. She was initially the person who referred me to the the job. And um, early last year, like I think in January, she had just mentioned to me very briefly, hey, um, 
stuff is changing internally, I don't know that there's going to be a budget for VO anymore. I don't know, though. So I was like, can we curse on this podcast? Oh, we I <laughs> curse like a sailor, please. I was like, holy fuck. Um, oh. I have no idea how I'm going to pay rent. And so I went on, like, I have a PicMonkey account. I made a voiceover flyer because I had thought about it for a long time. I had I had wanted to start coaching, but I was like, well, I, did, I guess I got to do it now. I posted it on Twitter, and it blew up. And a bunch of my huge VO colleagues were sharing it. I was immediately getting, like, I think first week, I think I got, like, 10 clients. That's amazing, I was Valerie. shocked. Yeah. That's, like, such a just miracle story. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. It was crazy um and then i have gotten i've apparently people like me so now i voice over coach and i am very lucky to i teach with actor site here in la i teach with queerbox and i teach with skills hub and like i just got to have i did a podcast with one of my like voiceover heroes jennifer hale who runs um skills hub it was so cool coaching has brought me a lot of joy it's so cool also hearing that feeling of anxiety or insecurity because because you're young which mm-hmm. I experience a lot as well yeah. it's funny because when I'm hearing you say it mm-hmm. oh that I've got clients three times my age I'm like well of course you do you know way more about probably digital marketing mm-hmm. about social media like all of these you know all of the many sites you can submit to because you are young and have grown up with this stuff and so it's funny just like being someone who experiences that kind of imposter syndrome specifically yeah. and then hearing you say it and I'm like, no, like you have so much information you could offer someone much older than you. <laughs> yeah. You don't think about that though at first. Like it, yeah. it's, you have to remind yourself that I think my business coach was like, you need to write a list of reasons why the imposter syndrome is wrong. Yeah. And that was helpful. I love that. I always love having someone on the show too who can give like really specific practical mm-hmm. advice like that because when I'm listening to a podcast, that's something I really look for yeah. is like, oh, doing this activity helped you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love actionable things. Me too. Yes. So much. On that note, one of the things, because we're, we're talking money, mm-hmm. was how did you set your rates for coaching and mm-hmm. what was that experience like for you? For me to start, so my when I started, I was charging 60 bucks an hour. Um, I was told that that was like a pretty low rate for private coaching, um, but also that it would made sense because I was brand new at coaching. I had no reviews to my name. I had no clients to my name. Um, and it just, the, the dollar a minute made sense to me. I think my highest like hourly paid job that I had in my side jobs was like 25 bucks an hour. And I was like, okay, I need to make at least double that in order to be able to survive off far less hours because it's client-based only. And then every couple months, I decided to start slowly increasing by like five or 10 bucks. And I'm at my rate now, which I charge about 120 bucks an hour. Um, So it's about double from when I started. And I have found that I have clients that know that know the value, and it was very hard to start raising my rates. I had I every time I've raised my rates, I've had imposter syndrome, but I've also had to remind myself that my voiceover bookings have increased, and my other the other aspects of my life where I want to flow my attention to have increased. So, in order to continue to coach, I have to make it more valuable for the time that I have in the day, because I can't be turning down stuff because I have. 25 coachings in a week yeah so 
it's been an interesting dance. Every time I like raise a rate or anything like that, my brain is like, no one is ever going to book with you again. They're going to look at your rate and they're going to go, what? They think they can charge that much. I'm going to go over here every time. But I have found that's not been the case. Yeah. So Well, and it goes to show it's like you're also booking more voiceover stuff, which mm-hmm. is evidence that you can coach and that you're yeah. worth money because you are doing well in your own work. Like, yep. yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's been a, it's a strange circle how it all connects. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I was, I'm really excited to hear that friends shared your coaching when yeah. you first started. Like that's such a, such a gift. And obviously it just helped you a lot that oh, first yeah. week. Like I wanted to ask, cause we've connected a lot on money talks. Um, do you talk to your friends about money? A couple of them. I mostly talked, I talked to you. I think the most, mm-hmm. I think, um, there's a couple other friends who especially are in the influencer space, um, or the VO space that I think is very important to talk about in terms of like, we talk a lot about like negotiations and rates for brand deals and stuff like that. I mean, at least with voiceover, there is like a lot of transparency and like in union voiceover, there's a lot of transparency in rates. Mm-hmm. Um, but in most other creative aspects, there isn't, especially in the influencer world. So I have a couple people that I talk to and like I have my business coach that I talk, uh, I talk to her a lot about rates and financials and stuff like that. I think it's so important. So I just, well, I was wondering, cause we really connect on that, but I'm like how many, especially in something like the influ- influencer world, like yeah. I think there should be more transparency, at least among friends, so that you can know you're charging enough or it's just it's just helpful, you know, like we all rise together. So we do. I think it's it there's nowhere online that you can find like good standard rates for mm-hmm. what to charge for a brand video. Yeah. Based on follower accounts. So I think talking to your peers is so important. And I'm glad you brought up TikTok because that's like one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about. So a couple months ago, you committed to just posting a bunch on TikTok, like two to three times a day, I would guess. I think that that's like the going, that's the magic number for people if you want to become a micro or macro influencer, whatever size, like on TikTok, that's what they say to do. And it worked. And, you know, you didn't gain like 70,000 followers in a month or something like that. Yeah, it was wild. And so you started getting offers for brand deals. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Your account is awesome. It's so funny. Like, I will link to it in the show notes. But, you know, like you talk about all sorts of different things, but your Mm -hmm. comedy stuff is just freaking hilarious (laughs) so i'm like it you know it makes me so happy to see someone so talented also gain a following for their art there's all sorts of people that i follow i follow health advice i follow dating advice but it's cool to see someone i love so much gain a following for comedy like for your art you know i think that's been really really great thank you that was why i started it because i actually was finding that i and we've talked about this i was gaining no traction in the on-camera world Mm -hmm. and because on-camera people don't take voice actors seriously Mm -hmm. even though i've been acting since i was a a wee babe it's a wild thing but so that was my that was my desire to start um and my business coach challenged me like i think the week before thanksgiving to start posting two to three times a day and then i was like fuck it I'm going to do it. I got nothing else to do. Um, yeah. And then January, I believe it was January 8th, my first video went viral. Yeah. 
And it's been fun learning how to monetize it. Yeah. Because it's kind of shrouded in mystery. Definitely. It's been a lot of research and a lot of asking friends questions. Yeah. Were you like, did brands reach out to you? Did you do it? Was it a mixture of both? Like how, how did it start when you realized, oh, I can make money from this? So for me, I started reaching out to brands myself. I do that too, by the yeah. way. And it's been, I mean, sometimes it really works out. It does. So it does. People should. Yeah. They, do, they really should because I have found that there there are absolutely influencer platforms. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of them. They're, they're, they remind me of like the actor's access of influencers. Mm-hmm. But what I have found is that you're like submitting an application. It, it, feels, it feels dry in mm-hmm. terms of like the submission process. And I have found that when I DM brands that I actually use – especially like ones that have to deal with mental health and been very candid of like, I use your product. I love your product. And I would love to make content. About it. That is so smart. Yeah. Can I just say like, like also I think that's an act of integrity is you're intentionally reaching out to brands that you use. Well, for me and also too, like m- most of my audience is like kids 18 and under. Oh, cool. And I just, I don't know. I feel very much a responsibility of like, I'm not going to share something that I don't believe in because I'm talking to like my audience is is children. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so negligent to do so otherwise. I I really think I I try to make, even though my, my page is so comedy focused, like mental health advocacy is very important. And like, I try to be very transparent about that and stuff like that. So I wanted to reach out to brands that I really do actually care about because I don't want to make stuff for something I don't really use. Well, and it's also just like, it's your creativity. Mm -hmm. And why would you not want to make something for something you use? What a cool thing to just think about that. Like, wait, I actually can make money just talking about something I really believe in anyway. Yeah. And like, I remember the whole reason I model for Pinup Girl Clothing, mm-hmm. a brand that I shopped at when I was like 15 mm-hmm. and like happy cried because finally I found a, thin, a swimsuit that would like fit my body right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a brand I like believed in. And I reached out to them over DMs and I just was in Ireland for a week modeling for them. Mm-hmm. Like it's been an amazing, you know, gig. But it's also that, yeah, like I know the people who make this. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe in both what they create being awesome, but also like their body positivity stuff as a brand. I don't know. It feels like such a special thing to just have the realization that, oh, I can make money talking about something I genuinely believe in. That for me is like mind blowing. Yeah. And I think taking that back to like the idea of the title of this episode about talking about selling out. Yeah. I think that is where you could make so much money doing any any brand deal for any product you want, but like you can make money doing things that you ethically believe in. Mm-hmm. It does take a little work and finessing, but it, that is a possibility. And I think it's also such a scarcity mindset too that I want to be clear. I have felt, mm-hmm. I have been there. Like it's not this is not judgmental. I have absolutely been there, mm-hmm. but it's like I just have to take whatever I can get. Yes. Like I, you know, oh, any, any hundred dollars like is something, oh, yeah. you know, I, I've so been there, whether it's as a model or influencer stuff uh-huh. that I'm definitely not judging that, but it's like, it's more just like us inviting people to realize that, no, you can be ethical about it. You know, you can set that boundary and probably your work will be better mm-hmm. and it will be better for everyone involved. Yeah. 
And again, like you like exactly like you said, it is a luxury to be able to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I but I do think it's something that is possible, which is cool. Yeah, it's also so important when we're talking about the influencer sphere. To just be ethical in general or think about things the way that you do. Like, you're an artist. I think there's a lot of overlap between artist and influencer. Oh, like, yeah. you know, people who are performers do better. Like, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, people who have aesthetic sensibility mm-hmm. as artists do better on, ins- like, Instagram or whatever it is, you oh, know, yeah. because it's all related. But there are, of course, many examples mm-hmm. of influencers who share diet products that are harmful, you know, mm-hmm. really perpetuate certain beauty standards that are harmful, whatever it is, like there's a lot of that. And it breaks my heart because it does not have to be like that. No, it does not. No. I think that's kind of the divide that I have noticed. The, the influencers that deal into that less ethical gray area mm-hmm. are usually, I have noticed, kids who randomly fell into fame on TikTok and they were not the people that got onto TikTok to be like, oh, I'm going to show my creativity. And again, and that's not in any way shutting down the work that it takes for some, anyone to be an influencer. But I think it's that intentionality that leads towards the, the ethics um, versus someone who's just like, oh, I don't know what, how did I get here? Now I'm, oh, these people are offering me $10,000 to just make this video. Uh, I didn't have this $10,000 yesterday. Right. I'm going to do it. It's in the same way that I think most of the influencers that we see get canceled are, are not inherently creatives first. Mm -hmm. That's Um, a really interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because if you have had any form of success as an an actor, you've, you've probably done some form of not necessarily PR training, but like, I think most actors know how to like carry themselves very well in an interview or online. In order okay, to- you would hope, but can I just say, having been to a lot of Q&As and stuff in LA, I am laughing my ass off constantly at how there are even like huge actors who cannot do press. And I'm like, can I help you? Can I please help you? Like, I care about you and I would like you to be better at this. There's publicists that coach you. <laughs> Why are you so bad at yeah. this? I don't know. Like, watch a video of like Zendaya in an interview you and like yeah. just like take some notes yeah. about like how to be charming like and like speak well i don't know that was a tangent but it's yeah. more like funny to me when there are people who are so successful as as actors or creatives and then they are just so terrible at press junkets anyway i could talk about that for a whole other episode and maybe we will because that would be a really fun yeah i I, it is so fun. I really, I, I especially because I've been podcasting for so long. I think it's all very interesting, like the media training and the press junket stuff, and it's exhausting to other people. Oh so. yeah, have we talked about my fake publicist? No. <laughs> okay, please tell us about that. If you're a brand listening, please turn this off right now. Um, <laughs> so I have a fake publicist that uh, I have a separate Gmail account. Mm-hmm. She's gotten me into many events for free, gotten invited to many podcasts, many interviews, many events. I've done a lot of red carpets um, thanks to my my fake publicist, whose name I won't reveal so that people think that maybe a real publicist is emailing them. Um, Yeah, I built an EPK when I was 19 for myself. And I started sending it out because I like free things. And I like going to theater and I grew up very poor. And 
I'm sorry. I, I like have grown up in the theater community and I want to go get photographed on the red carpet and see something at Center Theater Group for free. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I've been doing that since I was 19 or 20 and I've gotten into many of them. I love that. We'll talk about it more also in another episode or like also off off of the air just because I'm obsessed. Um, But I do I will just say like for you and for people listening, like that's a real thing people do all the time or fake assistant is something I've met a lot of people with fake agents and managers lately. Really? And I don't know how they get away with that one because the legality of agents. I don't know. That one I'm confused by because there's like there's like you have to pass certain certifications to be an agent yeah that one's messy but that's a little messy but i'm but hey whatever it works if you're a good person but yeah the the publicist thing or in my case i've thought about assistant because it's a safety thing too it is when people know that they can get in touch with me directly uh there are problems there's problems with that and so i like last year I, I was dealing with a stalker situation when I moved um, that I was public. I talked about, but that was because the moving company I hired looked me up and was disgusting to me about it. And I happened to have just worked on a movie too with like a name actor who ended up like taking me out and giving me all of this advice about this specific thing when it was happening to me because he's been famous since he was like 20. Yeah. And so he had all of this very practical advice about how to protect yourself from such things, including like, look, make a fake assistant if you can't afford one. Have a, you know, email that you use. And and I know we're getting way off topic, but it, again, this is still helpful because there is this aspect too with uh, finances that having a middleman, having someone do your publicity, handle your brand deals it does make you look more professional. It does. Even if that's bullshit to you listening or while you're doing it, if you can make a little more money because a brand takes you more seriously or an event invites you because you have a publicist, why not? Why not do that? How is that any different than it just being you? Yep. It's frustrating, but it is very much people believe the third party's view of someone versus me telling you how great I am. My publicist can tell you how great I am. And even though it's me, they believe the publicist. I love that. And it does make sense psychologically. It does absolutely psychologically make sense. So one thing I wanted to talk about just in this discussion too of like the tough decisions Mm -hmm. with like what work we take, what influencer deals we take. Mm -hmm. I did want to talk about, I I know there have been discussions among your friends about about those tough decisions. Yeah. Um, someone that I spoke to you about that I'll mention on the show is like Tessa Netting, mm-hmm. who is a wonderful person mm-hmm. and influencer, especially in the fandom world, mm-hmm. who does all kinds of partnerships with Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And she's a real like Harry Potter person. Yeah. She decided to not do any publicity, any influencer deals for the new Fantastic Beasts movie because of all of J.K. Rowling's anti-trans agenda Mm -hmm. bullshit. Mm -hmm. And that must have been like a huge deal for Tessa. Oh, yeah. That is like a life-changing decision for her, someone who built her entire platform off of Harry Potter fandom to make that Like, I respect just the integrity there, Mm -hmm. but also, like, think about her sometimes because that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, the money behind that. 
also the money to, like make that decision and the well, also too and obviously the the heartbreaking i mean that whole situation is so heartbreaking especially just in the queer community of just like everyone felt like that was home mm-hmm. and like the artistic deterioration and that that familial destruction of the whole franchise i don't know a single queer person that doesn't have like some sort of feeling about how everything went down but also too being a creative having to say no to that amount of money is is crazy and a hard decision to make i haven't had to face anything like that but i can imagine that it's like people think influencers have so much money but like it's still freelance work yeah and you still don't know if you're gonna work next year it's not as much money as people think i think this about acting too or modeling people see that i'm like traveling somewhere Mm -hmm. and so they think i'm rich but it's like no i that my plane ticket is just paid for yeah (laughs) like i'm not making free product right i'm making like so much less money than y'all think (laughs) and um and you know, you and I talked a little bit specifically about like Harry Potter as an example, mm-hmm. Fantastic Beasts as an example of like the difficulty with these smaller creators, TikTokers, influencers mm-hmm. of any kind, artists of any kind, mm-hmm. all especially as queer people mm-hmm. having to decide whether they want to take that work or not when it's potentially a a significant amount of money, like enough to make a difference in your life. And that, to me, that can be a moral gray area. Yes. And I've been thinking so much about that because I've been thinking, we talked about this a little bit, especially as a queer person myself, like making queer art, making queer content. I feel like the queer community is passing around the same $5 Mm -hmm. to make everything. Absolutely. And so the idea of this large sum of money coming in is, it's such, such an odd gray area because on one hand you are so disappointed by the product and by the hurt that it has caused. But also what happens if you were to invest that huge thing into the next thing you're creating and you are then creating so much more good when you're already in like a, again, it's just the queer community doesn't have crowdfunding right now. And like, I hate that we have to like ask our fellow queer community for money to build this thing, but we're not getting people throwing money at us. Mm -hmm. We're not getting investors to throw money at us because they don't look at us as financial investments. Mm -hmm. They don't look at us as something profitable. Mm -hmm. And so my question is always like, do you take the $15,000? And it depends on the person, what the answer is. It depends on what the brand is or what the, you know, I think that's a huge thing. Of course, like there's many levels of gray area Mm -hmm. here or there are people who are absolutely like a hard no to work with at the same time. Yeah. What are you going to do with that money? Can you donate half of it or, or pay a bunch of queer and trans artists with half of it? Mm -hmm. I think my thing is can I do this without lying? Yeah. Just for me personally, that's like my number one life and relationship and everything rule is I just don't lie. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to take a questionable brand deal, I don't like some things this company does, I like other things they do, Mm -hmm. can I do it without lying? Yeah. That's what I've really loved about like, let's talk about like 
Emma Watson and, and the original Harry Potter trio, obviously. I mean, they're obviously still continuing to make money off it. They will for the rest of their lives. And they are they didn't take that job when when these remarks had been made. And we found out that J.K. Rowling was an awful human. Doubling down on your worst idea. Just don't just do it. Do it. <laughs> just it's not that hard. But I have really been so in awe of her integrity and just very blatantly sharing her opinion and just what she feels is is correct. And I think that's very tactful. And I don't know what she donates. I, I'm sure she supports many wonderful charities and stuff like that. But I just, I have found that that to be a very wonderful way to handle that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But you're profiting off of the work of someone who is actively causing emotional and and ultimately physical harm to a community absolutely yeah and that's an interesting example too because like the profits she's making are residuals Mm -hmm. from something she worked on before you know she's got even less decision making to do Mm -hmm. she just couldn't be transparent about her beliefs i was thinking while i said this i am of the well, as we're talking about this, just because I think Harry Potter and Harry Potter marketing is a great example. I think I know for a fact that a lot of the listeners of this show are people like in the Harry Potter fandom. And so that's like helpful just as a, you know, a common it's a language great reference. Yeah. But this on the subject of just like lying, I am of the small percentage of people. I know I told you this privately I'm of the tiny percentage of people who likes the Fantastic Beasts movies. I really do like them. I like that they're for adults. I like that they can go there with some dark stuff. And so, you know, I don't know what I would do. That's my truth is I I don't know what I would do in a situation like some of your friends have been. I know who like did get the opportunity at least Mm -hmm. to do some like Fantastic Beasts promotion. I don't know what I would do because like for me, I, I would I would have to say no. I just would because of like my close ties to Harry Potter community and how hurt everyone is mm-hmm. but like i would say no but that's an example of something where mm-hmm. i would have good things to say yeah. without lying yeah. about the movies themselves because i like a lot of a lot of things about them mm-hmm. and so what do you do with that knowing you're going to be judged also i mean that's a highly contentious example but there are people we know dealing with this right oh, now and especially as a, a keeping down the harry potter vein as this universe keeps expanding i've had so many friends that have worked on the massive video game that's coming out oh, next year that's right that there's i i'm sure that I'm going to have friends auditioning and, and possibly booking the, at some point. Uh, the Harry Potter, there's all the Harry Potter TV shows coming out and stuff like that. And it's, it, it is definitely opportunities that are life-changing. And again, that question is, is like, is there a way to take something like that with integrity and maybe donate half of your income? Because with high visibility projects becomes a larger platform for change. Exactly. It's this strange like give and take of like, as I work on a larger project, I then gain a larger platform in order to share what I think is actually important. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's so gray and frustrating. That's why I called half of this episode, like selling out because mm-hmm. it's like, I think we all also have very different definitions of that. And that's okay. Yes. Like, you need to know what your definition of that is. Mm-hmm. What is, I always say to people like joining the entertainment industry or moving to LA young actors i say go into this town knowing what your hard nose are it's so important you have to know what your hard nose are because like for me i'm very comfortable with my body i've made money as a nude model Mm -hmm. and so like nudity sex scenes 
I don't even bat an eye. I'm comfortable. Like that's not even something I have to think about. Mm-hmm. However, I have a hard no about playing a cop. Mm-hmm. And that's been true for years. Mm-hmm. And so I like go into everything I make knowing that. Yeah. But like for some people, like I have a friend who's very Christian mm-hmm. and she's really uncomfortable doing any role that's sexual or or she would not do any nudity and that's also okay and so there's those kinds of integrity questions too where like if you're given an opportunity that's a lot of money mm-hmm. especially or or opens a lot of doors has high visibility it's going to be a lot harder for you to say no if you mm-hmm. don't if you haven't done the work on yourself to know what those definitions are because it's so I'm okay with the fact that my friend can do no nudity right like that's her life that's her choice that's who, who she is as an mm-hmm. artist and she accepts me for the fact that like that's actually kind of my area of comfort you know and and I think that's great but if we didn't know that going into this industry both of us could have had our boundaries pushed mm-hmm. and I the same is true I think for the influencer thing is like first of all understanding that yeah like artists need to survive Oh, yeah. The the people we're, we're talking about influencer gigs, but a lot of actors do commercials. Mm-hmm. A lot of actors have commercial agents that they're, you know, they're going out all the time yeah. for major corporations. I was dating someone a couple months ago who was in the final stages for a commercial for the military. Ooh. And he tells me this. And I said, the first thing I asked him was like, how does that feel for you morally? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't care. I just want to make money. And then he and then he saw me like flinch. And he said, but I promise, Grace, that if I book the role, I will think a ton of satanic thoughts while the camera's rolling. And I laughed and, you know, the tension was diffused because I because it was funny. I judged him for that. I still do. We're not dating anymore. And like that is something I think about a lot in the aftermath because I don't respect that answer mm-hmm. and he like deleted stuff from his instagram while he was in the callback stage that, that was, was like very queer oh no i know yeah. because he was like oh well you know if the military sees this yeah. they won't want to cast me what so you're erasing your own identity like for the fucking u.s military yeah that and i again i know like this is me being judgmental while talking about not judging people. But I think it's also a journey not, to get there. It's a journey to get there. Yeah. And he, this isn't something he had thought about. Yeah. That's the question. That That's what I'm bringing up is like he, his reaction was like, well, I just want to make money. I don't know. Yeah. He hadn't made those decisions already within himself about what his hard nose were, were, especially with commercials. And I think that's really important because like there was a, the industry's changed a lot and, and and part of that is because of influencer deals and which like luckily we also have some doors open the two of us in that world but there was a time when actors did make a living off of commercials oh yeah like and that was t- p- perfectly acceptable like that was how you made your bread and butter between like random co-stars or little gigs here and there in movies yeah. i've had friends buy their house with national commercials exactly like there's huge money there and so thinking about what are your hard no's it's really important and i think it's something that you don't really start to think about until opportunities become more plentiful for you because i was like that again i've been doing this for 11 years and for a long time i was very much like i will do well partially because of my father will do anything and everything 
And when I came out, I didn't come out publicly for a long time because I was going out for like super Christian movies. I was going in for Christian films all the time. And I was like, they can't know I'm gay. I was like 19 at the time. Uh, and it was, it was I, very much because my dad was very much like, if you tell people you're gay, you're going to ruin your whole career. Um, and for me, I think my hard nose have really, I feel like I have grown as a person, especially over the pandemic. I've become far less of a people pleaser. And I don't fear saying no anymore. I am realizing, by the way, that as I shared these stories, there was a time when you and I, we auditioned for a TV show that was about a strip club. Yes, we did. And I wasn't even thinking about it, but but you realize at the audition, I don't know if they asked people to just robe. They had sent an email boring. saying that you would probably have to be in your bra and underwear. And you said, I when you got there, you were like, I auditioned for Disney. Like, like you know, you're... That's your brand as an actor. And so you were like, I probably can't do this yeah. show because it's not you. Like a great – once again, a great example yeah. of like, you know, that would close doors for you. And for me, that's kind of what I do. And so I was like, great, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. But that great, that was like you were so clear already. And that was a few years ago now. You were clear on what you – you know, what your brand is, what you're going out for, and uh, that you don't want to slam the door closed to a bunch of kids' shows and kids' networks because that's ultimately like what most of your work comes And from. it's stuff that I enjoy very much. Yeah. Yeah the strange tightrope of of knowing your brand and finessing your brand but also pushing the boundaries and also honoring your actual beliefs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what you truly believe in yeah like chick-fil-a is squeaky clean fuck chick-fil-a yeah i sent i think my agent sent me one email one audition for them and i immediately wrote back i was like i will not and i, I said it very nice because I, I love my agent so much i was like do not send me these yeah i don't want to look at them i don't want to see them and just I, they were very respectful of my very hard, very aggressive no. Well, and I think that that actors, artists of any kind, like need to also know that they can make those decisions. They can voice them to their representatives. Mm -hmm. Like if your rep is cruel to you about something like that, then that's not the right person for you. Mm -hmm. Because I, you should have a manager, agent, whatever, who respects your sense of integrity, yeah. your beliefs, because that's ultimately like who you are as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so you absolutely can voice those to, to whoever, you know, your team is if you have one. Yeah. And like know that if they have resistance to that, then they're not – they're also not the right people for you. No. No, because how can you grow an expansive career? How can you trust them with – I mean, you're literally trusting them with your finances and your career. Like how are you comfy with that if they don't respect your beliefs? I have so many thoughts. I, I love my voiceover agents. They are the, my favorite reps I've ever had. Awesome. And they're very transparent when talking about goals and money and beliefs mm -hmm. and what I will and will not work for. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, I feel like we can talk about this for like a whole other part two episode, but I'm really happy with what we talked about today because like I think that we really covered the topics I wanted to talk about in terms of like especially these kind of commercial partnerships, which again, like all artists either need to take those opportunities sometimes mm -hmm. or like need to know that that's going to come. Yeah. And so 
that you know and that's how you survive so you can make your art mm-hmm. on, like so you can you yeah. know have pay your rent and then you know paint yeah um, yep so I'm really glad that we talked about all of this I want to do more like I just think we have so much ahead so just I guess I just want to ask for advice like if you have advice you want to share with people listening having done so much work freelance especially um, and building so much of a career freelance especially do you have specific advice you would want to share for our audience yeah ask for um, double what you think you're worth because it's better to negotiate down from a really high number than it is to be lowballing yourself so that for freelancers um, I think also I, I love what you talked about about knowing your no and that's something that I feel like I'm still learning I'm still learning as things are presented what is my no and I think Asking yourself those questions before those things come up to you Mm -hmm. is wonderful. And it also is such good self-development, I think. I think it is so important to think about the mental health behind the money and getting whatever you need to in order, whether that's therapy or anything like that, because so much of your mental health does tie into your finances. I have so many money thoughts. I love talking about money. But also, like, I think it's also, I think my final thing is, is like, commit to your success. I've been seeing there's this TikTok that's been getting stitched all over TikTok lately, and it's be delusional. Because not, now I'm not just saying like, oh, it works. Like It no. does work, y'all. It works. It does. I've got so much to say. Yeah, it does. If people, if you believe that you are worthy of so much abundance, people assume that you are worthy of that and will treat you as such yeah i mean we've talked about it i come from like a fucking poor super super poor family i have no right to be living as a full-time creative and somehow i am no i don't know about no right but i know what you mean and i i've learned that with lesson with money i'm learning it right now with relationships Mm -hmm. like i just had the opportunity to like to make a very self-respecting choice mm-hmm. when asked out by one of my all-time favorite artists. Mm-hmm. And I handled it in a way that I was like, even a year ago, I would not have been able to do this yeah. because I would have had stars in my eyes about it's this guy. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, Grace, the way that you handled that and his response was like, amazing uh-huh. and I realized yeah because people respect people who respect themselves mm-hmm. and that's a hard lesson for me in dating because I've made choices in my life that were not self-respecting yeah. you know I've made I've chased after people who didn't treat me well mm-hmm. and that's I obviously like maybe not a conversation for the art life mm-hmm. but it's like I'm now getting that lesson in the world of of dating and relationships yeah. having gone through it with money Mm-hmm. And feeling a lot more stable and secure with money right now. So it's all related. You it know? is. It really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with that, because it is to absolutely has to do with yes. the show. Yeah. What am I talking about? And with yes. that. <laughs> Love and art. Yeah. Yeah. With that, Valerie, what is the art life? If you'd asked me a year ago, I'd say the art life is hustling. Um, the art life is love the art life is love because I have found as I've been writing music and making more things that the stuff that I do with love and not for just thinking it's a good idea is the stuff that actually does well 
I think I don't know if it's because people connect with it. I, I'm actually I'm sure that's what it is. I'm sure it is that because people connect with human beings. So I think the art life is about love. Yeah. What is the art life for you today? Oh, oh my gosh! I wasn't expecting to be asked. It's cool to be asked. The art life is respecting your yes and knowing your no. That's what I asked. So I'm going to link to your TikTok, to your Instagram. Is there anywhere else you want to mention? Where can people find your art? My music is on Spotify and iTunes. Yes. I'm a musician named VRL. Just had a single release. Just had a single release. I have two more coming down the pipeline. Well, we got to get you back to talk about that because that's a big deal. Yeah. It is a big deal. We could talk about taking publicity meetings. <laughs> it was wild. Um, yeah. Um, I'm on YouTube. I'm everywhere. Okay. I'm on pretty much every platform that you make stuff on. Well, I will have links to all of that in the show notes. I highly encourage following Valerie on TikTok though, because you're just so funny and like and creative. Like you're, I just your ideas. I'm like, I would never have thought of this, and this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. So people definitely check her out, and of course, hire her as a voiceover coach if you've been thinking about it, uh, getting into it. Yes, I love to work with. I love to work with new people. Okay. Well, with that, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been amazing. I can't wait to have you back. It's so easy to talk to you. And God, would I love to have you back to talk about music. Love that. Yeah. So um, until then, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, bye. Bye. This is The Art Life. You can find the show online at theartlife.show. And send letters to The Art Life, Care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91617. Send email to theartlifeshow at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at theartlifeshow. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining me.